You are listening to a recording by Lisa Page from SoulSatisfactionForWomen.com. For further information on events, workshops, coaching, and free products, please visit www.SoulSatisfactionForWomen.com. Welcome to Soul Satisfaction for Women Radio. I'm Lisa Page. Thank you so much for your patience there. Just a slight techie glitch, but... That's life and we're all good. So welcome to Soul Satisfaction with Women Radio and thank you for joining us on today's show. Today my guest, as you know, is Dr. Brad Blanton and I'm so excited to, to bring him here really because uh, I've loved his work a long time and have integrated it in my own life, my personal relationship and in the work that I do with women and with clients and so it's a real treat to have him here and also to share his wisdom as we explore radical honesty and wild love with you today. So Brad, just to introduce him, Brad is a psychotherapist, a workshop leader and trainer and he's also the best-selling author of many books including his groundbreaking best-selling book Radical Honesty, How to Transform Your Life by Telling the Truth. And this book... Um, was introduced to me by my intimate and life partner, Mo Latin, many years ago. And like I said, it deeply influenced the way that we relate with each other and also how we work with clients, which is why I was inspired to invite Brad on the show because I know just personally, both firsthand, both personally and professionally, just how powerful this work is. His work has been seen in hundreds of TV shows, radio, magazine, newspapers around the world, such as CNN, Talkback Live, Dateline, NBC, Men's Health, Cosmopolitan, Inner Self, The Washington Post, really the list goes on. I could be here all night just sharing with you just how far this movement of radical honesty that Brad has created has has, uh, spread throughout the world. His books have been published in... 16 plus languages so he's created a powerful life transforming movement that really is helping people around the world to not just think about being honest but actually embody it in their life in their businesses in their relationships he's a 40 plus year veteran of the human potential potential movement But what I love is that his perspective is very unique when it comes to human nature and he really recognises the stress, the depression, the anger, the misery that we cause ourselves by doing what he describes as living in a story and then lying to maintain it. And if you sat with that and I sat with that just for today and really began to explore that fully, that in itself is transformational so I'm sure our conversation today will inspire you challenge you nourish you awaken you my sincere hope is that it will give you what you need to take your next step into living your own unique embodiment of radical honest truth-telling in your life your sex and in your intimacy so what we're talking about today were, is radical honesty and wild love. And I wanted to blend these two worlds together because when I say wild, 
I mean natural, the natural state of not being held back, not being, not tamed, not tainted by projection and expectations and blame and shame and everything else that we do in relationship that blocks the flow of real, true, unconditional, wild, passionate, awakened love. And so today we'll explore how radical honesty relates to wild love and how it could how it really impacts your capacity to be wild love, to give wild love and to receive wild love. So we'll explore how lies block the flow of love and intimacy and, and dampen the fire of deep-hearted passion and love in a relationship. We'll explore why radical honesty seems so scary at first to a lot of people and how you can overcome that fear to profoundly deepen your intimacy and connection how radical honesty can liberate the depths of love and fire in, uh, that you really desire in your relationship and practical ways to get started being radically honest with yourself and if you have one, your intimate partner today. So I'm going to open Brad's line in a moment so we can dive in. Just before that, I want to make sure you know how to participate in today's show and get your questions answered live. And really join the conversation with Brad and myself. So uh, if you've dialed in via the phone or Skype or the web call button, to ask a question, simply press star 2 to raise your hand. When you press star 2, I'll see a little hand raise up. I'll know you've asked a question. If you already know you have a question, just do that now. Just press star 2 because I'll, ask them, I'll answer them, we will answer them in the order that they come in. If you're listening in via the webcast, type your question into the box. You don't need to enter your email, it's just something that I can't get rid of in that box, but you can, we'd love to know your name. So your name and your question, and I will read those questions and we'll, I'll, Brad and I will answer those. And if you want to add another comment or another question in the webcast box, just refresh your page. So, let's dive in. I'm going to open Brad's line. So, after that long-ass introduction, welcome, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's very nice. I liked it. I didn't realize I was so famous. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, really. No, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, this was inspired because I'm on your mailing list and I received one of your emails and was reading through it and uh, I could really feel, I mean, I love what it is that you do and you just happened to mention a little line that you were going to be doing um, more interviews and I thought, I would so love to bring you on the show and just share radical honesty with, with the self-satisfaction for women community because like I said, my Latin, my partner introduced me to your work a long time ago and it's had a profound influence on our relationship continues to do so and also in the work that we do with clients so really thank you for being here you're welcome I'm happy thank you for having me so I wanted to set a frame if we can and just start off by asking you would you share your, defin your definition of radical honesty, what, what it is and what it's not, just to give us a context to dive into because I think that everyone has a slightly different definition of honesty. Uh, but if, uh, if you could frame that for us 
in the way that you work with it in your own life and with clients, that would be a really great container for us to dive into. Okay. Well, um, I was taught radical honesty over the course of many years by being an activist in the civil rights movement and the anti-Vietnam War movement and and pretty much a lot of movements on the left here in the United States and from years of uh, work as a psychotherapist. So mostly my friends and clients taught me about radical honesty and wow. its roots were basically are in existentialism and gestalt therapy and the all of the areas of study and disciplines that have to do with valuing noticing more than thinking and mm. so my definition of radical honesty is basically having a life grounded in your experience of being here using mm. your eyes and your ears and your body and your nose and everything that you have as equipment other than your mind as mm. the fundamental source of your grounding and then your mind as a secondary plaything that your mind is more useful as a toy than as something you consider to be extremely important because mostly mm. a mind is simply a sh bullshit generating machine yeah. and if you trust your own mind you're already a fool and if you trust your own mind and are foolish in that way you might tend to trust other minds and I always say to people I don't even trust my own mind why should I trust <laughs> yours <laughs> and yeah. the basic fundamental definition of radical honesty that I use most of the time is that radical honesty is reporting what you notice mm. and um, so what I call the awareness continuum is divided into three parts. You can be aware of what's going on outside of you right now. Mm -hmm. That's part one. You can be aware of what's going on within the confines of your own skin right now. That's part two. Mm -hmm. And part three is you can be aware of what's going through your mind right now. And that's yeah. all there is. There isn't any more you can be aware of. I call it inside, outside, upside down. Mm -hmm. The upside down is the mind. So basically, if you simply report what you notice going through your mind without filtering it according to what you think you're supposed to do to con the other person, and you report what you notice in your body to what you notice in the world, then you end up valuing the accuracy of your report of what's going on with you and in the world over mm -hmm. your capacity to manipulate and control other people. And it's sometimes a little troublesome because you won't be as polite as you're supposed to be and sometimes you'll be mad <laughs> and you will be mad. Your feelings will get hurt and you'll admit that yeah. you're horny and various other things happen that are mildly exactly. embarrassing. And mm. embarrassment is just considered another form of cheap thrill. It's not really yeah. something you so hard to avoid. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just go tripping along, talking as mm. though you were a child, as though you didn't know any better, as though you were not sophisticated. Because mm. sophistication is one of the worst packet of lies there is. And yeah. and uh, being polite is one of the worst packet of lies there is. And, 
and uh, it's more, much more important, I think, to be funny than it is to be polite. So you can yeah. be a real asshole as long as you're funny about it. <laughs> Sorry. Secret to my success. Do you know so, what I love? Oh, go on. Go ahead. No, that's it. That's no, what I had to No, I love that. And I think, you know, just the... Just the very act of reporting what you notice. I mean, this is something that Mo and I, in our relationship and in, you know, what we teach couples is that just just be an open-hearted revelation. <laughs> like, yeah. that's it. You just, you just reveal what's here. It, it doesn't, you know, without shame or blame or, like, it, it just, just allow it. Just be it because it's, it's, I mean, isn't it ever changing anyway? Like, yeah, you know, if you're just saying out loud, you know, man, I notice right now, I, I feel really fucking hurt, and you know, he, like, he just, okay, got it, like, you know, okay, that's it, it and it's done, and, and it's not, it's not used to manipulate, it's not, it's just, it is, you know, that's that's it, and it's done, and it's not. If it's suppressed, then it just gets morphed into something else, and I don't know. Is that is that your experience? Yeah, that basically, the more you deny, the more removed from contact you are with the other person. And the idea is to be able to be in contact when you're in contact, and to be withdrawn when you're withdrawn, but to not be in that middle space where you're neither in contact nor in withdrawal. A sort of what yeah. Fritz Perls used to call the ozone, which is the zone of zero contact. But you're even though you're sort of talking to people as though they're in the periphery, yeah, and you're not really connected to them. And well, the what did he call it? The zero zone. Say that again. What did what did he call it? The zero zone. The ozone. Ah. <laughs> Because of the implications of having your head in the air, <laughs> yeah. uh, the ozone it, it meant zero zone. It's the, the yeah. zone of neither contact nor withdrawal. Yeah. Bridge used to say, you know, he would come up and touch you and look you in the eye and say, "This is mm-hmm. physical contact. I'm looking at you. This is visual contact. I'm talking to you. This is verbal contact." Yeah. So he would be contacting you all three ways, and then he would turn and walk out the room and say, "This is withdrawal." <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know what? So it's so perfect about that is it's so true. Is is we become so not here because like we're we're not we're either we're in that yeah we're in that space we're either not consciously here or not consciously not here we're just kind of nowhere and yeah you can't yeah, exactly. contact particularly, with, particularly since everybody's using cell phones now people are rocking around in full contact with their cell phones and no contact whatsoever with the rest of the world i know yeah that's where i think really being with young children is you know when you're with uh, especially like a toddler you know they're so they're right here and you know when they're when they're with you they're here and and then as soon as they're done boom they're out of there and there's there's no residue there's no clinging on it's just you know i'm here or i'm not done and it's 
real. There's, yeah, you don't ever feel that. Oh, that that no zone, that no that not that non-contact that's pretending to be right. contact. <laughs> it's messy. Yeah, right. Hmm. So okay. Yeah. To be childish, basically, radicalness is a very childish thing. <laughs> Well, I think there's a lot of wisdom in kids, to be honest with you. Um, I know that whenever I spend, I have one, I have a son who's uh, 15, and I have lots of little nieces and nephews, and, you know, I I just see when the the little ones especially, when they dive on top of you, <laughs> they are there, <laughs> that's it. And then someone, you know, some they, they see something across the other side of the room and they're out of there and it's done. And it's like, okay, see ya. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So can I ask you then, in your, because you work with, I mean, I've listened to your audios and I know that you work with both couples and men and women. In the realms of, of intimate relationships, how is it that radical honesty has such a profound impact? I mean, maybe you'll des- describe what it does, but even any stories you have either in your own life or with clients, I think it's just really good for, for, for the listeners to hear because there's a, a relating that we can do with it. There's a reflection back as to where we're at in terms of our own capacity to be radically honest or not, and the impact of it. Mm-hmm. Well, in ongoing relationships, the thing is that you often have trouble distinguishing memories of what used to be from what is currently there. People tend to... to uh, we recommend that you get over appreciation and that you get over resentment because resentment becomes a kind of bitterness, a screen that you don't let anybody through. Yeah. And appreciation becomes kind of sentimentalized so you you get all mushy and lovey and like yeah. romantic and, <laughs> and it's fun to be romantic and mushy and lovely for a little while, but the more you do it, then the more it becomes something to be lived up to by the other person. Mm-hmm. So that you're, it, unless you clear and feel your way through things rather than think your way around things, yeah. then what happens is that you both are playing like everything is wonderful when it's not so great for either one of you which is yeah. an, a big problem about relationships as they mature, is that you have to let the old relationship go and have a new relationship based on what you're noticing now and on yeah. a new sharing rather than on what used to be. So mm. the problem with relationships mostly is everybody getting out of date quickly, meaning yeah. your life turns into like a bad hillbilly song. Why don't you love me like you used to do? <laughs> Why do you treat me like a worn-out shoe? My hair's still curly. My eyes are still blue. Why don't you love me like you used to do? (laughs) Oh, it's so true. Go on. (laughs) So that when people's lives are bad hillbilly songs, they're not that much fun. They're not even, they're not really that much fun to live. So the idea is to be able to get mad and then get over it and then be brand new 
in the yeah. relationship. Be able to yeah. be uh, hurt and get over it. Be able to be joyful and happy and in love and get over it. Mm-hmm. So that you don't try to hold on to stuff with your mind or your idealism because idealism doesn't really create anything other than yeah. trouble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, because the degree of attachment to having have things be as great as they used to be is a big problem because it keeps it's the primary thing that keeps things from being great as they used to be. Yeah. Is that you you don't get over your attachment to your your ideals about how wonderful things used to be and ought to be then now because they were once so how come they aren't again? Mm. So I teach people how to fight so they don't fight so much. Yeah, I love that. I re- I really I really love that. I mean, we Mon I have this uh, agreement never assume to know who I am. That with every outbreath I'm expiring, I'm dying with every inbreath, I'm a new person, so never assume, mm. never assume and and let it be, you know, moment by moment relating instead of being hooked into this even the word relationship to me kind of it connotates this whole thing and if it's a whole thing then it's what you it's the past it's a you know it's the resentment and the hooking into what was in the past and the fantasy and the anxiety about the future but it's this whole thing rather than this moment by moment relating and and I think people are sometimes so scared to fight. I was. I mean, I had, man, I was crap at getting angry. It was, it's been one of my biggest pieces, you know, uh, is, was giving and receiving anger. Now it's just, there it is, it's done. And, and it's, I think it takes a lot of trust. I think you actually have to experience what it's like to let whatever you had just die, just let it die so that what's yeah. here can actually be birthed. Yeah, I, I agree. I like that. I like hearing you say relationship is like almost too big a ship or too too much of a word. Maybe we should call it relation boat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I, I love that. Not really a ship, but just a boat. Exactly. Or a <laughs> that, oh, that's so cool. I so love that. Exactly. It's too big. It's and it can take you know, like you think of those big ass boats where there's all that stuff down underneath and like it's stockpiling <laughs> yeah. and it's you know, it's too much and it's not possible to oh my God, there's, there's so much in the way of actually being here now. And that's, it's all we've got. You know, it's all we've got is what's here now. And I, I know I, I remember one of my clients saying to me, oh my God, that thing that you keep talking about, shifting from relationship to moment by moment relating, I didn't get it until, until today. And it's freaking terrifying and it's completely liberated. I'm like, yes, that's it. It is. Which probably brings me to my next question, Brad, is, I mean, surely you must find this a lot. I can't be the only one. Don't, do people, are people not, when they come to you, is there not a fear of 
being radically honest. And 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 I guess I want to know from all your years of working with this is what is the main fear? What is it that people are most afraid of when they think about being radically honest? Where it matters the most? I think they're afraid of other people thinking of them in some ways that they're not in control of. Because all of our lives we've been taught in our particular culture that who we are is our reputation, that we are what we imagine other people think of us. Our image Mm. in the minds of other people is who we are. That's our identity. Mm. And so when you're in school, you're basically the grades you make and what the teacher thinks of you. And as you get to be an adolescent, you're what your peers think of you. And the problem is that that is a mistaken identity. Who you are is not your reputation. Mm. Who you are fundamentally is a person now sitting somewhere talking on the telephone to me. And I am a person talking on the phone to you. And whoever's listening Mm. in is a person listening to voices on a telephone in a room somewhere having a drink or a cup of coffee or whatever they're doing. What you are is the living, being, present tense, alive creature. And then your reputation is secondary. Your reputation to yourself that you're trying to pitch to other people is like just flowery stuff. It's just the icing on the cake, but not the cake itself. It's like basically... Who you are is a noticing being who can be present to other noticing beings. Mm -hmm. And you really are a very social creature and you like relating to other beings. And all of us are kind of in relation to other beings and we are are living our lives out in interaction with them. And Mm -hmm. so what what Radical Honesty has to do with is the quality of the interaction being authentic, that is, going ahead and having the feelings and the thoughts, the sensations that you have, report them. We have a bumper sticker here. It says, a bumper sticker says, life is just sensational when life is just sensational. Mm. So you just have the sensations one after the other and let them come and go. And then you're open to the new sensations. And that basically, that goes along with our other bumper sticker, which is (laughs) uh, radical honesty. It works pretty good most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's not perfect. And sometimes people do get embarrassed and sometimes people are offended and sometimes they get their feelings hurt. But the idea is to stick with them until they get over it. It doesn't take but about 90 seconds. If you yeah. stick with a feeling of anger, it increases and it decreases and recedes, and basically you're not as mad as you were. The same thing about sadness, the same thing about joyfulness. But the idea is to let things come and go, just to live your life like we were talking, like you were saying a while ago, like a little kid will come in completely, like be with you and jump on you and holler and then jump up and run off with somebody else in a minute. And they were there while they were there and there, and now they're gone. <laughs> And that kind of living is a good model for adults. Yeah. So do you think it's 
just in your experience with people and the let's just call it avoidance of being radically honest is it when you say it's 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 mainly avoiding I, I guess worry about the perception of the other you know the opinion of the other the reputation mm-hmm. um, yeah what about um, I don't know, fear of not getting what we want. I mean, (laughs) don't you think we we kind of walk around, you know, thinking, well, what I want in relationship is my partner to love me and never leave me, you know, even if it creates misery for both of us and neither of us living our truth because I feel safer in this than, you know, than um, facing, I guess, the the consequence is a natural impact of of sharing truth um and i know that in the you sent me this amazing piece that you'd written um last week and i just you know this piece around how we use untruth i guess to manipulate or to coerce uh is that tied into reputation? Do you mean, or do you feel, or do you like? I guess what I'm asking is: is repu- you talk about reputation? Is that the main reason, and everything sprouts from that, or is that one of some core reasons why we why we avoid telling the truth or bo- avoid being radically honest? Well, would I say that it it's living in a story and lying to maintain it? Yeah, it, the story is about who you are and your reputation and how great you are, uh, loving you are, strong you are, something wonderful that you are. But yeah. the the reality is that if you're very attached to that, if you really believe it's your identity, it's a whole Got bucket it. of worms yeah. here. Yeah, because cool. who you are, you might say, "Oh well, that's <laughs> embarrassing." Oh well, I'm ashamed I did that. Oh well, that was good. I really am proud of that. That would yeah. be fine that you have these various feelings and attachments, but the degree of attachment is what counts here. Because if you really think that who you are is your reputation and someone besmirches your reputation, then you end up being Donald Trump or something. (laughs) (laughs) Where where you're out here thinking like the whole world is out here looking at you, you know. so, so the, the idea that, that we want to get over being like Donald Trump as much as we can, something like that. Yeah, if that's <laughs> not like a magnified reflection, I don't know what is. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Um, so then what is it that has to shift in someone in order for them to begin to embody this because I you know what I it's one thing to realize oh okay I'm lying my ass off in all sorts of ways that I didn't even realize there's these big lies and there's these little little lies and it's kind of the glue that's been keeping my (laughs) my relationship my life my whatever together and you know and someone says okay I want to be radically honest so so what has just shift, you know, where to from there? Well, you're worried, you know, if 
if I'm radically honest, will my life just go to hell? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It will. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then you you don't be. So you, the, we've said over and over many times that the, the objective is to get dumber, not to get smarter. Yeah. That I teach people how to be dumb. In yeah. fact, after about 10 years of running the eight-day intensive radical honesty workshop, we all came up with a chant that leads to enlightenment within two and a half minutes without fail. And Go on. I usually, I usually charge people thousands of dollars for this, but I'm going to give it to you all for free. <laughs> <laughs> there is this chant that without mm-hmm. fail leads to enlightenment within two and a half minutes. And here it is, the chain is. And you just get dumber than a stick. You get dumber than a box of hammers. And basically, when you're just dumb and somebody's there, you reach out and touch it and say, duh. Your fundamental dumb nature then basically you get delivered from your mind into some laughter and connection with each other and you start over again. Yeah. And that's that basically, as mm-hmm. most people who are afraid of it will tell you, radical honesty is one of the dumbest things in the world and I'm proud of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> because but, my work is to get dumber and dumber. But do you know what's so cool about that? I mean, just in the realms of, of intimate relating I think that one of the biggest things that, that sabotages the the the, wrecking, the the awareness of what's really here, you know, the the whatever you want to call it, the love, the the that is shared, the experience of, of human connection is completely sabotaged by non-dumb, which is this um, thinking we know, you know, need, needing to be right, you know, like, like if we could all in the moment that we just drop the need to be wrong because our mind is saying we're wrong or right and just be here, mm-hmm. we get to share in what's really here, you know. So, and I think that you know, as a I'll confess, I was just actually speaking with um, Robert Raven this morning, who you and I have connected with, um, and we were talking. He was we were talking about my poetry because I write poetry, and it's just been published for the first time, and that's that's been a real uh-huh. edge for me to to share it out loud. <laughs> uh-huh. And he's like, basically, what are you fucking on about? Like, you, like. You, this is not something that the reason it feels so vulnerable is like it's not something that I've learned that I can share. It's not something I can be right about. Or it's just this is who I am in this. It's like singing a song. I mean, look at your amazing daughter. Like in the way yeah. you know, she's singing a song and she's just being. Like she's not tr- trying to be right by singing the song and. You know, the moment that we're trying to be right when we're singing a song or sharing a bit of poetry or making love or, you know, having a conversation with anyone, the moment we're trying to be right, 
it all goes to hell anyway. And, and it's yeah, a total yeah, block that's... for what's really here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I often repeat to people my anti-perfectionist mantra when I ask them to, <laughs> which is anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Yeah. <laughs> because Absolutely. it contrasts the usual, anything worth doing is worth doing well. Dang right. And the idea totally. is that, and I love Garcia, you know, I'm prejudiced because I'm her daddy, but basically... Yeah. I think she's just really great. Her songs are about oh. just putting it out there. You know, basically, it's like fundamental. Fuck them if they can't take a joke. <laughs> and uh, like, no, you know what? I, I totally loved it. I must say, so um, for anyone who's listening to this in either the podcast or you're here right now live, uh, Google, it's Carsey Blanton, correct? CarseyBlanton.com, yeah. CarseyBlatton.com, and you just got to watch Vim and Vigor. Like that, that is totally my favourite <laughs> so far. If you if you don't watch Vim and Vigor, and you watch her singing this, if you don't go, there we go. That is a woman singing a song. You know, fuck them if they can't take a joke. Like it's really, I I just so love, I fell in love with that. So, um, so yeah. We're not trying to be right when we're singing a song or, you know, or, you know, little kids don't try and be right. They're just here and, and real. So let me ask you then, in your experience both with clients and, and in, in your own life with intimate relationship, what I find is that most people, are, especially women, I mean, I work mainly with women, my partner, I work with couples as well, but what women are always saying to me that they're really yearning for is is more depth of connection and depth and, and intimacy. So if we were to speak to that depth of intimacy in particular, how do you find radical honesty I don't know how to just like liberates liberates people so they can experience that depth or or if you've got any stories I mean I've heard I mean I, you know I've, I've heard stories that you share of, of couples and and I love them but any any stories that you could share that just someone might hear and say you know what okay I get it I get how this would impact my intimate relationship well, if you if you have, it's a delicate thing because if you're too attached to uh, ideal of deeper intimacy, yeah. that ideal of deeper intimacy itself will block you being able to accomplish deeper intimacy. Bingo. Because it's yep. like any other kind of idealism is you are you have mm-hmm. here a framework that someone else has to fit into and that you have to fit into. A lot of the work we do in the workshop is to get over shoulds. And so we have an exercise we do with people where they sit opposite someone else and they tell that person everything they should do. I should make sure I get up at 7 o'clock in the morning so I can get to school on time. uh, And Mm -hmm. every time they say what they should do, then the purpose opposite then says no. And they go through all of their shoulds and all of their shouldn'ts, everything they think they should do, they shouldn't do, mm-hmm. what they should, how they should dress, how they should communicate, who they should tell what, and all that stuff. 
and for every single one of them, the person opposite them sits and looks at them and says, no. And the experiences of being like jarred and interrupted. Well, I know I should do this. No. And they say, well, then I shouldn't do it. And you say, no. (laughs) (laughs) You get to this place where you neither should nor shouldn't do anything. And then you have to choose what you prefer. And it's scary to not have the protection of those shoulds. And what happens is when people start uh, doing this, the place gets really loud and uproarious because people start laughing and hollering and carrying on about how ridiculous their shoulds are. And that, yeah. like, you, you, one of the reasons we have all these shoulds is so we don't have to be disturbed by having to choose what we actually prefer in our life. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. that gives you like a kind of unnerving uncertainty. Oh my God, I don't know what I should do. But yeah. what's left when you what's left when you don't know what you should do is well, what would I like to do? <laughs> yeah. What would I prefer doing? And so it becomes which, kind of simple. Which even feels, which even as you say that. It feels so much more honest. I mean, you can just feel it. Mm-hmm. And I have people, we teach meditation and yoga, and, and mm. basically we teach self-hypnosis and autogenic relaxation, basically to have people relax deeply and then meditate. And what we suggest for them is to say to all those voices in their minds, which are usually shoulds, or look out, or be careful, or you should make sure you guard against this and all that stuff. There are these voices in our minds all the time. And whenever you sit quietly, they start coming up and you want them to go away. But the more you resist them, the more they increase. And so I say to people, when you sit down and meditate, start paying attention to the voices in your mind. Just suddenly turn to them and say, Okay, go ahead. I'm listening. Mm, yeah. And when you do that, your mind doesn't know what in the hell to do. It just shuts up. <laughs> That's so cool. Because it's run on the resistance. <clears throat> so the idea yeah. of radical honesty or the idea of intimacy as an ideal is not to just give you some more things to worry about or to scold yourself yeah. about or judge yourself for. It's to give you just saying, oh, well, I've got these internal judges and a whole lot of voices. Most of them are bullshit, Mm. and I'll go ahead and listen to them. (laughs) And when you say, go ahead, I'm listening, then they shut up. Mm. And so so the idea is if you want to have a kind of a peacefulness about you and you want to have a kind of a peaceful relationship with another person where you're just sort of enjoying that space of like being together, it doesn't make much difference what you're talking about or when it is or anything. And it's the yeah. same thing with sex. It's like basically when you're having sex and you're being led by sensation yeah. rather than, oh, my God, i got to be a good lover now. I have to make sure I'm a That's great right. <laughs> If I don't do it, I'm going to make sure my partner comes and has a great good time. <laughs> if you're doing yeah. that, 
all the time, you're probably not that much fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's and fun that you is, say that. Oh, go on. Go ahead. I was just, I was just saying that to drop the idealism yeah. that you say, oh, well, so let's have a bad fuck for a while and see what that's yeah, like. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's really important. I know in I know in our world with um because we work with couples with sacred intimacy, oh my god, sometimes couples just get so freaking hooked into, you know, that it's gotta be this and it's gotta be that and it's like, no, no, because no, it's already here, just just you know, and so sometimes it's like it's exactly that. It's like, why don't you just fuck really badly for a week yeah. straight? No, no, no more of this practice stuff. Just you know, just you know. But uh, listen, we've got two questions that have come in via the webcast, and I just okay. wanted to to share them with you. So Robert has asked Brad. You said mind as a secondary plaything. I love that. Could you speak a bit more about this? Well, we have this book we're using as a core curriculum called the Radical Honesty Playbook. And in the Radical Honesty Playbook, we talk about a progression. And the beginning part of it is what Fritz Perls talked about in Gestalt Therapy. He said the objective of Gestalt Therapy is to lose your mind and come to your senses. Yeah. <clears throat> and what we coach people to do is to fundamentally learn a whole bunch of methodologies for losing their mind and coming to their senses. So if you do yoga and you pay attention to what it feels like when you're stretching and you allow stretching to occur from the context of the yoga pose rather than trying to make yourself stretch, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference because you get a whole lot longer, taller, limber and everything when you allow it to occur. And you don't do much when you're trying to make it to occur. And yeah. the same thing goes for <clears throat> for your requirements for yourself in a relationship or for another person in a relationship when you're imposing the the straining factor. So that the mm. the reason that I say uh, there is a American Negro College Fund in America <clears throat> runs an ad collecting money for scholarships and they say a mind is a terrible thing to waste. But I've changed it up and I have a different saying which is a mind is a terrible thing. Waste it. Waste. <laughs> you know I, what I love because I mean having spent you know years as a yoga and meditation teacher you know, it was always, you know, the mind is your tool. And, and I agree with Robert. When you said about the mind being a plaything, I thought, oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Like, it's it's uh-huh. one step better than the tool. You know, like you use your, don't be the yeah. servant of your mind, let your mind be your servant, but actually just let your mind be your plaything because actually it's really rather yeah. amusing. When you, yeah. yeah, that's right. It's a good toy. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. toy. Yeah. So then the other question that we have from Ryan in Melbourne and he says, when I don't feel like talking to someone, what is a radically honest way of dealing with them? Is it not talking to them or telling them I don't want to talk first? Well, uh, first of all, if you don't want to talk to them and you're in their presence, 
that's mm. one thing. If you don't want to talk to them on the phone, that's another thing. I don't think long phone conversations are that great because basically both of you are in your minds and you're developing yeah. mind stuff. But if you're with somebody and you don't want to talk to them, you say, I don't want to talk to you for a while, or I want to be by myself, or I want to be silent for a while, or I want to focus on something else, and I don't want to talk to you. And then you wait and let them respond. And they might say, well, I resent you for not wanting to talk to me. <laughs> exactly. That'll be fine. You can say, well, I resent you for resenting me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You can have a little fight, and then both of them, you can shut up, and you won't have to talk to them. <laughs> then it's all done for you. No, I agree, and this is the thing. I think you know when. I mean, this is how conversations run in our house as well. It's and but it's like then it's just a revelation. It's not an accusation. It's just a it's just a revelation. It's what's it's what's true. Yeah. There's an, also there's a um, a caller that's got their hand up. So. Are you open to answering a, um, a voice call if I um, unmute this sure. lady's line? Sure. Cool. All right, just a minute. Okay, so your number ends in 626. Hello. Hi, it's Shailen. Hi. Hi, Shailen. Hi. Shailen, meet Brad. Brad, meet Shailen. Uh, Hi, Brad. Nice to meet you. Same here. Um, I have a question around romanticism. Um, I sometimes get caught up in romanticism and how my man should, what he should say and how he should act from watching too many romantic movies when I was a kid. And <laughs> so <laughs> how do I uh, unhook myself out of that and into radical honesty with him? Because I seem to not have a filter um, and he says, oh, have you been watching um, a romantic comedy again? So I'm very <laughs> conscious of that now. <laughs> now. Um, you know, like you where, already... you know, Fabio's hair is like blowing in the wind and <laughs> he comes with a rose in his mouth and all yeah. that stuff. So I just, wanted uh -huh. to, um, I just wanted to ask you about that. Well, I think you've gone a long way, a long way. Whatever you all can start joking about it, you're really getting somewhere. Okay. And he says, "Is this gone with the wind again?" That's a pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good letting <laughs> happen. Like basically, what helps is for you to turn into a stand-up comedy routine. You know, basically, you say, "You're not lovingly sweet enough to me to make me feel moved like gone with the wind." Would you try again? Something <laughs> 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 that basically where you can both laugh at each other's romantic idealism. We all do it, you know, basically. We like those sweet moments that feel so great and we want more and more of them. But if you get so attached to having to make every moment with that person be that way, then basically you will block it ever occurring again because you'll have, it'll be like a school marm demanding love, you know. All right, get in here and love me. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Thank you. That answers my question. Thank you. Joke about it. Great. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're welcome. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> no worries. That's really... Thank you, Shay. <laughs> okay. There's a whole lot of uh, questions that have just come in on the question line, so bear with me and I'll read them out. Okay, Brad. So All this right. is what we've got. 
So from Aaron in London, so we've, so far we've got Melbourne, LA, London. Aaron in London is saying, how do you overcome, and I do see you, by the way, Lucy in Adelaide and Brian again. So, so um, for Aaron in London, how do you overcome the moment of real fear when you want and need to be radically honest but cannot speak because of this fear and how your honesty might be too painful for others? Well, you you don't have any need for courage until you're sitting in your boots. Hmm. So basically, courage is what you do when it's already too late. It's so you go ahead and do it. It's too late anyway. Ah. And, and the idea, I recommend that you hurt people's feelings. And I recommend that you offend people. And I also recommend that you stick with people after you've hurt their feelings until they feel their way through it and get over it. And that you stick yeah. with people when you've offended them until they can yeah. get over it. Do the same thing about your own being offended and being hurt. Because it's the sticking with each other and yeah. saying this may hurt you. This is what my judgment is. This is what I did or this is... And, when, mm. and basically you have to be afraid and don't try to not to be afraid. Just be afraid. Go ahead, shit your pants, and say it. Hmm. So uh, there's no easy antidote. It's just yeah. that the results of operating according to your fear and withholding further and making hmm. one more incident of you not being willing to reveal what's going on with you just compiles the degree at which you're locked into the jail of your own mind. So in order, we need each other to deliver ourselves from our own minds and to deliver each other from each other's minds. You know, I think that that piece around staying with it, it's something that we talk about a lot because I think, you know, you can hit and run. <laughs> but yeah, to actually, right. you know, to, when, when yeah, you can yeah, we're not talking about stay a draft with bag. it. Yeah, exactly. When you can stay with it, you know, for us, we work somatically with clients a lot. So it's like, just keep breathing. Just keep the front surface of your body, you know, soft. Just keep, just stay. Do whatever you can to just stay with it. You know, don't run out the room. Don't turn away. Just keep eye gazing because it's life and life is dynamic and that means it's ever-changing. So whatever pain you're feeling isn't going to be there forever if, if you just allow it. And, and I think it goes for being radically honest with someone else. It's just staying with it and allowing whatever comes from it to come and to go and, and stay with it. It's, um, yeah. yeah. And basically, honesty is always learned in relation to another person. You can't actually be honest with yourself. You're honest with another person, then you get it. Because yeah. in order to be honest with yourself, you have to be schizophrenic. You have to have a me and a myself. <laughs> so basically, we're, yeah. it's not about it's not being honest with others. And then you say, "Oh well, that was pretty honest of me." But that's after yeah. you've done it. Yeah, very true. All right, so we have a few more. So what I do want to say as well is, uh, I'm, I've got two more questions here in the question box. 
Aaron and Brian, Robert, if you have a comment, a thank you or a response to the answer that you've gotten to your question, please refresh your page and, and type it in because we'd love to read it. And uh, Brad, are you, I know we're kind of at, at the top of the hour, are you good to stay with us just a little bit longer to answer these, these questions? Yes, maybe about like uh, about 10 more minutes than I need to probably get to work on something else. No, okay. absolutely. Yeah, no, of course. Okay. No, I don't think we'll, we may not even need that. That's cool. Okay. So Lucy in Adelaide is saying, how do you create a safe space in relationships for radical honesty? So it fuels a deeper love rather than disconnection. Loved your question about the consequences around radical honesty because it's hard to face the reality of the truth, especially if it breaks a family and hurts others in the process. How do we navigate these challenges or does radical honesty come first? So how does it fuel deeper love rather than disconnection and how to deal with the consequence, especially when you're looking at a family breaking up, uh, that kind of thing? Actually, I recommend this book called Radical Honesty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Everyone should be getting radical honesty right now. <laughs> We try to coach people into saying to someone, look, I'm learning some things and I'm trying to change the way I am in my life. And it means the way I speak to people is changing and I'm, I'm learning something called radical honesty, which is for me being able to be more open and more vulnerable and more eligible for connection with other people and more capable of loving. And mm -hmm. you're an important person to me. And I want to have an honest conversation with you. And sometimes we, we, the odds are it might hurt your feelings some or it might make you mad. And mm -hmm. go ahead and get your feelings hurt and get mad if you will. And then we'll keep talking about it and stick with it till we get over it. And I need this for me. And I'd like for you to do it as a gift to me is to allow mm -hmm. me to be honest with you and for you to be honest with me. And um, I'm going to start living this way. And I'm going to probably gain some deeper friends and I might lose some acquaintances. And yeah. so we're going to be finding out whether we're friends or just acquaintances. Mm -hmm. And then you have the conversation. Yeah. So you give them a chance to respond to that and you give them a, a fair notice that that you've yeah. gotten up at here <laughs> and that you're yeah. going to start being honest. Yeah. And give them a as much time to talk about that as you want and respond to it as honestly as you can. And you'll find generally that almost everyone appreciates very much mm -hmm. that you are actually trusting them by being more honest than you usually are with most people. Mm, I totally agree. Often, I love that. People are often offended. Your parents may be offended because parents don't like having their kids grow up. And so go ahead and defend them. Basically, mm -hmm. it's fine yeah. if you make your parents mad. Stick with them till they get over it. If they can't get over it, then say, I resent you for not getting over being mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. Lucy, um, please uh, share a comment and let us know if that's answered your question. And a comment has come through. I'm pretty sure it must be from uh, Aaron. Because it says, thanks, Brad, we'll stay through it till the end with shit in my boots. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, there you go. There we go. Now, 
Brian uh, from Melbourne has said, I'm scared of resenting acquaintances for things that happened a while ago. How do I gain the courage to do that? So, well, you begin the conversation with admitting that you're a coward. I've been a coward to talk about these things. These things bothered me years ago, and I've just been too chicken shit to tell you. And I'm not going to be chicken shit anymore. It's a new way of being for me, and we're either going to stay friends or not. Here you go. And then you tell them. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Okay, so another comment from Robert. So this must be Robert Rabin, I think. Uh, it's just a big thank you for your clarity in the conversation and for years of your dedication to this path of radical honesty. So that's very cool. Thank you. Yes, thanks. And Brian says, thanks for answering all the questions, including mine, Brad. I appreciate you for all the interviews you've done and the free online workshop you did. I've attempted to take as much free info, info, free info from you as I can. And thanks, Lisa, for organizing this interview. Cool. Okay. All well, right. Good. Just send me money. <laughs> <laughs> he's radically honest about how he's sucked his eye for as much free info as he could, and he really appreciates it. I like that. Well done, Brian. <laughs> uh, all right. That's Brother, a wrap then. Uh, my brother is a mechanic, and he's kind of a hippie, and he fixes people's cars for nothing sometimes. And they say, thank you so much for fixing my car. And he says, thank you, hell, I'll send you a bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can pop it in my Christmas stocking at least. All right. Oh, oh God, Camilla's just asked. It's 10.05. Camilla, Brad, I, I want to respect Brad's time. He said he can be here till 10.10 max. So I'm going to open your line and get a very quick question because I know Camilla was on the line a half an hour early, Brad. So oh, hi, Camilla. Thank you. Okay. Am I on? You are. Yes, I hear you. Okay. Hi, guys, and thanks for an entertaining um, seminar, webinar, what can we call it? Um, I just wanted to say um, it all reminds me of uh, the film The Invention of Lying. Have you seen that? No. Several people have told me to see it too. I'm gonna go. I will see it. I think but you should I have. because it, it's fun as well. But it, it covers these things, you know, where people just say what they feel and think. And I think it was better then, before the invention uh -huh. of lying. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. The invention uh, of lying. Thank you. There You're we welcome. go. Thank you, Camilla. Thank you for staying with us too. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Yes, thanks. Bye. All right, Brad, thank you so much for being here. It really, it's just been such a pleasure and such a uh, such a real honor just to be able to connect with you and to share your wisdom with our community. Uh, how can people uh, reach you if they want to know more? Because I know you're on fire right now. You've, you've got uh, training your training facilitators, as well as running workshops. So how can people get more of Radical Honesty, aside from buying the book? The, generally, the source place is to go to RadicalHonesty.com yeah. and uh, see what kind of a mess our current web page is in. <laughs> but, <laughs> 
the workshops that we do, various radical honesty trainers do workshops mostly in Europe and the United States. But now and then uh, you can also find out about an online workshop. And so you just keep going back to RadicalHonesty.com. You can also right. find Radical Honesty on Facebook. And you can uh, basically, if you just Google Radical Honesty, there will be more stuff than you'll want to bother reading. And just mm-hmm. keep looking and digging around. But basically, uh, the website is the main source of new information. And, and if you, there's a place on the website you can send in and subscribe to our e-zine called the Radical Honesty Rag. And that comes out every three or four weeks, <laughs> every now and then. Yeah, um, beautiful. And basically, that's it. Once you go to RadicalHonesty.com, it'll get you into all kinds of trails of pursuit to find out more about radical great thank you so much thank you for being here really thank you everyone for your questions i really enjoyed yeah thanks i enjoyed it good you're very welcome yeah all right thank you thank you guys lots of love and we'll see you next show thank you brad bye okay bye You are listening to a recording by Lisa Page from SoulSatisfactionForWomen.com. For further information on events, workshops, coaching, and free products, please visit www.SoulSatisfactionForWomen.com.